Hello and welcome to another Kairos Conversation. I am here in the beautiful Barossa Valley with Guntars Baikovs. Guntars, good to have you on. Yes. Hey, Josh. Good to be here. Good to be here. Guntars is a fellow pastor with me in the Lutheran Church of Australia, and he's here today so we can talk about his journey to faith in Jesus Christ. Guntars, where did you grow up? Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood? So, originally I'm from Latvia. Uh, that's a small country in, in, in Eastern Europe, right next to Russia. So it's hard to find on map, it's just a mm. little little spot. That's where my childhood was then. Um, at that time, Latvia was still part of Soviet Soviet Union. Mm-hmm. So I, I, in a way, I can say I grew up in Soviet Union times. Yep. And so what was it like as a child growing up in Soviet times? I think it was fun. I think it was fun. You know, our, our memory is an interesting thing. You... you it picks moments and, mm-hmm. and, and things from time which which you sometimes can't understand why those when I when I look back at my memories most of them are really really good uh, as I have children on my own right now and, and I look at, at their childhood and they have so many more challenges right so so many more temptations mm-hmm. uh, we lived in a, in a in a way in a very simple culture mm-hmm. simple environment Main thing we played with was outside. Yes, riding bikes, skiing, and playing in forests, swimming in rivers, and and things like that. So yes, as far as I remember, that was that was a good 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 time. Mm, mm. And it's quite intriguing to hear you say that, you know, because many of us, I guess, in the West, who who haven't had the first hand experience of of the Soviet Empire in those times, we read the books and we hear about all of the dramatic things, yes, and so we yes, don't usually yes. think about daily life as being um, nice memories yes, and those sorts of yes. things. But amazing what a kid can, um, what it's like for a kid in a in, a, in a, I imagine yes. a relatively safe, happy yes, family and that yes, sort of thing. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So having said that though, did you grow up in a Christian family? No, no, not at all. Not not at all. Uh, my grandparents probably had uh, some connection with the church, Christian mm-hmm. church and, and uh, but they never never openly spoke about it. They never brought up this topic in, in family conversations. The only time I can remember and that's probably the first time when I actually held Bible in my hands. I was maybe 10, 10 to 12 years old and, and uh, I was staying with my grandma uh, mm-hmm. during summer and she said, come, come, I'll show you something and just don't tell anyone. <laughs> so she brought me into this room and secret room and <laughs> pulled out this big, thick book and, and, and mm. she, that's Bible. Mm. You can read it. And, and so I, I, I read, where do you begin? In the beginning, right? Sure. So I got through the f- first few chapters, I guess, till till all the genealogies, and that's where I, I thought, it's strange, mm-hmm. <laughs> all these old ages, and that's it, that was my, my childhood, first childhood memory, my encounter with the Word of God. Your exposure to the Christian yes, faith, yes, yes, a few yes, chapters of Genesis, yes, and, yeah. yes secretly, yeah. <laughs> with my grandma. <laughs> yeah. And I imagine you didn't feel the weight of that moment, whereas presumably she did the secret room, the, the Bible hidden away, those sorts of things, and... And that gives us a little bit of a glimpse of what it was like, perhaps, for um, your parents and grandparents during that time. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. I, I didn't, didn't experience it. I almost didn't experience my, myself firsthand 
I got a glimpse of it anyway when, when I was late teenagers. Freedom of speech mm -hmm. and how how important, what a value it, it has when we when we have it. And and that was one thing which as a child you don't see it. Okay, you 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 see you hear your parents saying they have their conversations with friends mm -hmm. and then they say just children, just this is this stays in this room and you can't <laughs> can't tell it to anyone. And I oh what was that? And they were mm -hmm. talking politics and mm -hmm. and and other countries and, and, and party and, and you see, I think we, we all have built this faculty in us where we, where we try to evaluate uh, how much what we receive information-wise fits to reality. Because to be able to navigate in reality, you, you need to have a good map. Mm. So we have a false map. It's, it's false understanding about what life is and how to go about it. it you will go nowhere. Mm. And, and suddenly, if, if, if you have this restriction, so you see reality but you are not allowed to admit, let's say, that things are wrong, that your leaders lie, that this doesn't work, etc., yeah. etc. Et you are supposed to accept another alternative version of reality, mm -hmm. which you can see doesn't match to how things are. Mm -hmm. So that was, that was, and I, I got, a, I guess, a glimpse, a glimpse of it. Another thing, oh, you should have seen how, how Soviets, how ritualistic they were. Okay. Oh, man. <sighs> That was our own Dr. Kleinich, who said all people are ritualistic beings. Mm, mm. But when you think about Soviet times, already from, from early childhood, they began to indoctrinate you by means of rituals. Okay. So you, you go to, we went to primary school. In primary school, you are introduced into, how to say, first step of where you're heading in future. And this was called Children of October, or Children of Lenin. And you had to wear your badges, mm -hmm. and teacher would check in morning whether you have your badge or no. If you didn't have your badge, just run home and get your badge. Mm -hmm. So three years later, you get to the next stage, pioneers, and then we get the gorgeous scarves, uh, red ones, and and again that was mandatory to do all these things. Yeah. So three years later, it's the next stage and next stage, and mm. and in between, even on weekly basis, and and. We recently discussed with my wife, even on weekly basis, so we had these gatherings in school where you stand in line and, and, and say right things mm -hmm. and hear right things being told to you. and mm -hmm. Or a couple times a year, the whole nation is supposed to go in March. Mm -hmm. and people get up very early in the morning, so that's a holiday. You don't need to work, but you have to go. And, and what do you do? You say your creed. Yes. So you're going to this march, and then when, when your time comes, you say, glory and praise to the party, and, and things like that. Mm, mm. So you can secretly disagree, you can secretly admit all of this is false and lies, but publicly, you have to get in line. Yeah. You need to perform your ritual, yeah. then you are okay. Yeah. So it's interesting. It's, and so what you're describing sounds to me like uh, mm. you know, relig a religious-type environment, yes. even in secular atheistic communism. I'm, I'm interested as well, before we get to your own story of how um, the next step in your faith journey, how did this sort of dynamic you're describing coexist with perhaps traditional spiritual things in Latvia? Sort of the, the Soviet stuff was going on over here. Um, in Latvia, what, what else was happening in terms of the spiritual sort of atmosphere? Historically, I think that Latvia, 
Latvia and Latvians have not only been a pagan country for a long time, mm -hmm. but emphatically okay. occult and um, occult. Occult, okay. yes, occult. Mm -hmm. uh, mm -hmm. Not kind of hidden yeah. magic things yeah. and, and things like that. And even earliest, earliest uh, historical testimonies we have about Latvian people living in Latvia, they contain these glimpses of, 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 of information. And the same thing actually carried on through the Soviet times. Yeah. Uh, scripture says um, that the knowledge of God, it's, it's, it's given to us. We, we cannot, mm. what, what can be known about God, it is revealed. Mm. You, you can't fully erase it. So we all live with written this. Written on the hearts. Yes. Mm. The commandments are written on hearts, mm. knowledge of, of God written on hearts. And we cannot fully erase whatever regime outside of us presses us to do. So people obviously had this. And even my parents, I can remember, they, they yes, they had these ideas that there is something spiritual, there must be something higher, etc. Mm -hmm. Not Christian God in that sense. Mm -hmm. But um, during all this period, there were a significant number of, of people with so-called paranormal abilities. Mm -hmm. uh, I guess alternatively you can call them witch doctors. <laughs> and almost every single family in Latvia would have had something to do with them. In terms of looking for healing or those yes, sort of things? Yes, yes, yes. For mm -hmm. example, I was when I was a little child, you wouldn't believe, but when I was still a little child. You were once little. Yes, <laughs> I was once little child and I had health issues. And, yes. <laughs> and my parents used to bring me to people like that. Yeah. And it's, inter it's, it's also interesting how they, the way of their, their operation. It's, uh, so they would usually take elements of creation, hmm. being water or salt and sugar. These were regular ones. And they would say some kind of prayer often using verses from scriptures. Really? And then saying, okay, you use this for whatever period mm. of time and, and mm. you will get better. They may even suggest you, you maybe go and sit in church. That may help your mm. health issues mm. as well. So the way they tried to portray their allegiance was that they are also representative of yeah. The one true God, yeah. just kind of different branch, yeah. working slightly on different rules. And <laughs> yeah, yeah. But that was very, very widespread and still is. Yeah, okay. And on, 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 on like a folk, folk belief level, so many, so many who would be openly rejecting Christianity would heartfeltly embrace these things. Yeah, interesting. Yes, it's... And so your encounter with the Word of God at around the age of 10 or something in your grandmother's secret room with a secret Bible, <laughs> and then what was the next big significant step for you on your journey to the Christian faith? Mm -hmm. I guess it's true when you get in your, your teenagers, especially late teenagers, you, you have this urge to explore the world, mm. to, to discover mm. how things are, mm. so even who are we and what this world is about. And, and that was time when... Soviet Union was already beginning to collapse. Okay, so you you grew up apart. in you grew up in the eighties, more or less. Yes, 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 yeah. yes, 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 yeah. yes. Um, and suddenly, and I, I still don't know how all of that historically happened, but there was a lot of lot of literature available about occult, mm -hmm. occult things and questions like that, and and. Uh, Obviously, as teenagers, suddenly we are exposed to this literature and we, we, we take in whatever we can take. And, mm. and we get different, very unusual, scary sometimes experiences. But through these experiences, uh, I, I met a friend who actually then introduced me to 
Seventh-day Adventist pastor. Okay. Okay. Yes, and, and that was, uh, I guess, first fully Christian person in my yeah. life whom I, whom I met. And then he told me this good news, which was, if you are here with me, probably you must be one of these 144,000 chosen ones. Okay. <laughs> which was kind of Lucky good. You. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. <laughs> Uh, yes, yeah, that wow. was, that was uh, in a way, first step in, I was 17, 18 by that time. 17, yeah. 18, yeah. okay. And so the, <laughs> the, the Soviet Union is beginning to crumble, the, the literature, um, not just Christian literature, but of all... Mostly spiritual, not Christian, mostly, mostly not Christian, not, yes, right. yes. All sorts of spiritual stuff is, yes. is becoming out yes. to the open, more more available. Yes. Yes. Um, you meet a Seventh-day Adventist, Adventist. Yes. and what happens after that? Um... Uh, in Latvia as a nation, that was um, a time of what's called now spiritual awakening. Mm -hmm. And quite a few of Lutheran pastors uh, were very visible publicly. Mm -hmm. So they spoke openly on different different political topics and on topic of freedom and etc. So they were well known. And uh, Lutherans generally are the, the biggest uh, denomination in Latvia. Yeah. So, um, as a result of their publicity, many people obviously went to Lutheran churches at that time. Mm -hmm. uh, I would imagine Seventh-day Adventists maybe didn't like it fully, so they, <laughs> at least they told us that, you know, these Lutherans, mm. they've got all it wrong. Mm. <laughs> and for us, someone saying that they got all it wrong, it was like, a, okay, go and, and, and correct this injustice. Yeah, 18. It's yes. a red rag to a ball. Yes, <laughs> yes, yes. So we actually went to and to see one of one of these uh, well well known Lutheran pastors and and we went to rebuke him. Oh, good for you! To yeah. call <laughs> to call him to repentance. Okay. <laughs> mm -hmm. uh, and uh, yes, we we after the first time we went again and again and again and and and, and he gradually kind of turned our heads okay. heads around and, and sent us back into into Lutheran church where we went through what in Australia. Uh, call confirmation. Uh, mm -hmm. We call it catechesis, mm -hmm. and then we're baptized. Then. Yeah. So you were still around eighteen, nineteen yes, at this yes, time. Yeah, yep. yeah. And so you were baptized at at that point. Yes. Yes. So this this first Lutheran pastor that you met, he was he obviously handled this attempted rebuke rather well, graciously. He seemed to have some answers for you, and he seemed to be significant then in in you um, coming to faith and, and being baptized. Yes, yes, mm. yes, indeed. I'm very, very grateful to mm. him for this. Now, in your Christian journey, though, Guntaz, I understand that um, it wasn't as if from this day on you live happily ever after. Um, so <laughs> there were a few twists and turns along the way. So after you were baptized, after you, you came to faith in Christ as a 19-year-old roundabout, um, what did the years ahead hold for you? So in, in, in that time in Latvia, we had this nationwide spiritual awakening. Uh, many people joined the church. But I think that the church herself wasn't ready to welcome people. Okay. So it was weakened during these 50 years mm. of, of Soviet, mm. Soviet times. And, and many people joined and many people soon after left again. And so when you say not ready, the, the pastors weren't well prepared or those sorts of things or what do you mean? Average age of pastors at that time was close to 70. 70, 70, 70, 70, mm. 70 zero, zero, yes. Mm. And, and majority of them wouldn't have enjoyed good, good education mm. because materials simply were not available. Mm. So what they were preaching and teaching wasn't 
maybe exactly good biblical theology mm -hmm. or Lutheran theology. Mm -hmm. So that was that was real situation. And the same the same happened with me. So I was quite active for a couple of years in 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 my congregation in my hometown, and um, then I moved to capital city and just got lost. And you know how the story goes when. When the evil spirit leaves you and, and wanders around and comes back and everything is clean and prepared, mm. he says, oh, guys, come with me and bring brings another with him. So what, what happened in my life was, uh, yes, in a way, falling away mm -hmm. from faith. Mm -hmm. And, um, yeah, I spent my 20s uh, living very, very worldly life. Okay. So. Mm -hmm. um, and what did you do in those years as far as a profession? Oh, oh, different, different things. Uh, when I was still studying in university, then I, I used to work as a, how do you call it? Security guard? Bouncer, bouncer. Okay. That's, that's, that's I don't know name. why. <laughs> I have no idea because of my, my background of psychology and education. Of that's a reason. That was a reason, yes. Of course. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. For a, for a few years, I, I worked in, in a, in a high-end uh, 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 a currency restaurant in, in mm -hmm. the center of, of, of Old Riga, uh, mm -hmm. interesting place. Mm. So that was beginning of 1990s and and very very uh, chaotic times. Mm -hmm. So that was place where all politicians, businessmen, and, and criminal leaders would come for right. dinner and and right. so that was an interesting experience. Because presumably the yeah. the um, fall of the Soviet Union opened up all sorts of possibilities, yes. business and otherwise and. And collapse of, of, of structures that would keep order in society right. actually right. enabled many things happen which, which otherwise wouldn't have yes. happened. And, and, and it was, yeah, as I said, in a way dangerous time. And, and, and so before we get to, to the next step in your journey <laughs> and coming back to faith, I'm curious as well, you mentioned there was this, this influx of people into the church around that time and that the church just, just wasn't prepared for it, having been weakened by all those years under communism. So for a, were there a lot of other people that had a similar trajectory as you that, that came in initially but then fell away over subsequent years? Yes, yes, yes. So many people joined the congregations and within the next few years, number of active worshippers probably was close to what it was before. Okay. So same things happened with, uh, with my friends, with uh, almost everyone with whom I, I first joined the congregation together. Mm -hmm. So all of them consequently left mm. and because uh, of different reasons and, yeah. and different circumstances. But, yeah. mm -hmm. And it all also reminds me of Jesus' parable of the, of the soil and the seed and growing up quickly and withering in the sun and these sorts of things. But it's interesting, you see, even if I, if, if now I'm, I'm far from Latvia, as mm. far as you can imagine, <laughs> and also, uh, in a way, lost connection with many, most, almost everyone from my childhood or early 20s, but I've recently been reconnected with quite a few people uh, through social media, mm. and surprising thing is that more and more from people with whom I grew together they have became Christians now, just later in their life. Interesting. Yes, mm. yes, yes, yes. So seed was sown. Yeah. What happened after that? Yeah. Who knows? But yeah. but in God's time. Yes, 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 yes. And so for you, what was the next step? You you came to faith. You were baptized. You fell away. In your own words, you you lived a fairly worldly life through your most of your twenties, and then what happened next? Uh, both myself and my wife, we we had we had good good jobs mm -hmm. and uh, uh, were very would say successful in what we what we did and 
really kind of felt on the top of our game. Mm. And um, things were going the way we were planning, the way we were hoping them to go. And, and, uh, and then something began to crumble, kind of earth, mm-hmm. below our feet. Mm-hmm. And things happened which, which, which made us painfully aware that we really are not in control of yeah. our life, sort of, of environment in which we exist. And, and initially we were just looking for, what's the problem? What's going on? Mm, mm. <laughs> Where has our luck disappeared? Why? Mm. Right? And, and, find and the problem, fix it, and get on with it. Find the problem, it. fix it, yes. Mm. And, and we, we, we happened to have a Christian friends, and uh, they said, oh, you know, guys, that, that's because you are not married. Okay. So not being married has opened you to opportunity for someone to curse you or, or put an evil eye on, on you or oh, something yeah. like that. And we thought, oh yeah, that makes sense. Mm. <laughs> so what to do? Oh, you need to get married mm-hmm. in church. Mm-hmm. So we took that advice. We took that advice and began to search for a congregation where we could get married. And, and uh, that was a very interesting time. But, but wherever we went, doors were just shut before us. Mm-hmm. Now, when we look back, we are grateful that it happened. And in this way, we were led to congregation, which later became, became our congregation. Okay. And, uh, uh, so you went there with the intent to get married, to fix this problem, yes. your, your friend's advice. Yes. Um, but it se- seems as if when you went there, some, something else happened. <laughs> something else happened, something else. And I think this is how our, our gracious Lord, how he, how he works, you, you, you come to him. If you come searching him, and it may be a small reason, mm. small problem to fix, as in our situation, then uh, instead of doing small thing, he he really changed our lives. Mm. So proper way would be saying he gave us new lives mm. instead of just fixing part of our old yeah. lives. He gave us he gave us new lives and praise the Lord. Yeah. Praise the Lord. Praise mm. the Lord. And praise praise all the faithful people we have met along and who have. Mm. Who steered us in. Mm. So so how did that actually happen practically? So practically speaking then, Guntaz, how how did this actually happen? Was there a particular person who was um, very significant in this journey back into faith? You you went to a congregation to get married. Was it um, the pastor there or was it somebody else in that community? How did it happen? Pastor was very, very instrumental in in our situation. a part of the Lord closing the doors to all other congregations where we tried our luck first. Uh, he was probably really key to, to... He was a person who, through whom the Lord changed uh, the course of our, our mm. lives. And you think he, he led you to the right person? Oh, yes, mm. yes. Now when, we, now when we look back, when we were wandering and trying to find, to find a place where to get married, we got frustrated. Mm-hmm. This didn't work, and that didn't work, and this didn't work, and, and what's going on? Mm. So where we also almost kind of said that we are running out of options, mm-hmm. where to go, what to do. Mm. Now we look back and we say, "Thank you, Lord, <laughs> you knew where to lead us." And and uh, he he gently invited us to, "Oh, guys, you want to get married? No, let's maybe go through this catechesis thing first, mm. which is which is usual way how church operates in Latvia. Mm-hmm. If you if you come to congregation looking for anything." Uh, first is invitation to to go through catechesis mm. just to learn the basics of Christian faith, mm. and we had just read we had just read with my wife uh, 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 
commentary on, 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 on Luther's small catechism, Luther's small catechism with explanation. Yeah. And we thought, oh no, we don't need this catechism, <laughs> we just read this and we really know the whole thing. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> we know whatever there is to be known. <laughs> of course, yeah. <laughs> he said, yeah, no, but that's fine, just sit and, and, and we'll go through. And, and we said, okay, 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 yeah. if you, if you, if you, you really... Get, you want to yes. get married, so... Yes, you want to get it, married, yeah. you're going to... Jump through thing. the hoops. Yes, yes. <laughs> And as he was, as he was teaching, and as we were listening, it was like a new world was open before our eyes. Hmm. And uh, I, I find it so fascinating. It, it right away connected me back to my first experience with uh, almost ten years ago, hmm. and all the good emotions and all good things I experienced in that time. And and but but now it was on on a totally different level. Mm -hmm. And uh, uh, I was fascinated by, by the depth of, of his knowledge, by his ability to explain things. And, and, and suddenly this world began to make sense. Hmm. So you began to understand why things are the way they are, who we are, who God is, and how mm -hmm. he operates. And, and um, yeah, we, we went through catechesis, we got married, but um, his teaching he just hooked me. Mm. And I couldn't stop. I couldn't stop and and, uh, and he kindly said, okay, whenever you have questions, we can meet and discuss them. Mm. So we were meeting almost every week wow. <laughs> for almost two years and, mm. and he was giving me different books to read and then we were just discussing what, what, was, what was read then and uh, our life really, really changed during mm. that time. So that was the next step. Yeah, and you used the word worldview there to describe something... Uh, knew that was happening during this this time. Can you expand on that a little bit more? Uh, what you mean when you talk about mm -hmm. this this whole worldview shift for you in that time? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That's a missionary language in a way. So mm -hmm. missionaries are people who have spent the most time trying to figure out how to how to change people's thinking, how to change their lives, and and what they have simplifying it, how they have summarized it. So on one level, on surface level, is our actions, how we live, what we do, how we behave, how we make choices. Next level is our values, mm. our allegiances that define the choices and actions that we make. And under all of this is so-called deep worldview level, which answers to questions like, what is this world about? Where did it come from? Mm. Where is it going? Mm. Who are we? What is the meaning and purpose of our lives? Who is God? Uh -huh. Can we know Him? How can we know Him? And, and so on. And um, what, what I realized, and it was a gradual thing, it, it didn't, didn't happen right away, mm. that becoming a Christian, it meant you review all these three levels, mm -hmm. and most importantly, the deepest one. Mm. Mm. And you change the way you perceive this world. Mm. Mm. Ten years old, you have this encounter with the Scriptures. Ten years or so later, roughly speaking, you come to faith, you're baptized, you fall away after that. Another <laughs> 10 years later or so, um, there's, there's this, this, what would you second call it? Chance. Second chance. Second chance. An awakening of some yeah. sort. Um, God brings you back. He, he begins to, to work in you this deep shift in the way that you see the whole world. How long after that did you um, begin to sense the call to ministry? to ordain pastoral ministry? Mm -hmm. I think when you try to summarize how God has worked in our lives, I think 
as Christians, we would say he's always near. Mm. He's always calling us. And, and it's us who either listen or refuse to listen. And as with children and parents, yeah, you know, sometimes you gently try to engage with them. And, mm. say, and sometimes you say something a bit louder. <laughs> And suddenly they notice it. <laughs> Get their attention. Yes, yes. I think these several times in our lives were when, when God spoke a bit louder. Mm-hmm. He was present with us all the time. And, sure. And, uh, how long after that? I, I can't remember time in my life when I, when I sense this call to become a pastor. Mm. I just can't remember mm-hmm. that time. And uh, what I remember, what I do remember, is fascination of Word of God. Yeah. Just this desire to know and understand it more. Mm-hmm. And I think this is what, what, what our pastor uh, saw in me. And, and, mm. and that was him. That's his fault, actually, that, that uh, he, he said one day, he said, Gunters, uh, would you consider to study a bit more? Of theology. Mm, so he just casually dropped this in one day? And... Yes, yes, yes. Because he was also uh, teaching as a professor in, in, in seminary. Okay. And, uh, and that, was, that was a very scary moment. Mm. It wasn't like an answer to my prayers. Oh, Lord, I want to do something <laughs> for you. Yeah. It was like, oh, what are you now asking from me? Mm. Uh, especially because of my, my first experience 10 years ago. Yeah when I was quite actively involved in congregation and all of that ended up from Christian perspective <laughs> really badly, mm-hmm. really badly. And, and him asking me, would you consider studying seminary? I could see the next step, mm-hmm. what he's implying with mm-hmm. that. And, and I, was, I was very concerned. I thought, I, I can't do that. Mm. I can fail again. Mm-hmm. And uh, so it, it, wasn't, it wasn't so much... <laughs> It was more like a fear of God yeah. that, that, that made me to say, okay, if you yeah. call, I'll, I'll, I'll reply. This pastor yeah. got, your, yeah. he got your attention, though. Yes. God yes. got your attention yes. through him. Yeah. Mm. Now, you mentioned earlier um, about the average age of pastors being around 70. When the Soviet Union was, was crumbling, the, the church had had a hard time. The average age of pastors was around 70. And so you're a younger man now when this is all happening. Were there many other young Christians being drawn into the ministry around that same time? There is, a, there is actually a, a, a marvelous story from church history in, in, in Latvia. Mm-hmm. Uh, story how, how our church was, uh, how we lowered the average age of pastors in our church, put it this way, <laughs> or how a new generation of pastors were called in, mm-hmm. in our church. And, and it's almost the story about one single person, mm-hmm. how God used this, this one, one person. So we had, this, we had this pastor, Robert Feldman, and uh, uh, so he was probably as holy a person as you can imagine living on this earth. And, mm-hmm. and uh, uh, he was actually sent by Russians to Soviet, Soviet um, authorities to Siberia and, mm. and returned back. He wasn't a favorite person in, in eyes of state. And uh, he was appointed to serve in three small congregations, two rural congregations and one, one in, in, in capital, in Riga. So, 60s, 70s, for 20 years, he served in these three tiny congregations. And, uh, 
as people remember, often, often it was just him, maybe organist, and maybe someone of elders present. Wow. So for 20 years, they held, basically held services in empty churches. Wow. And he would say, what a waste of time and resources, mm. <laughs> right? Mm. Mm. And, but, but his answer was, uh, we are put here with the message of gospel, to hold the ground. Yep, stand if some, ground. to stand mm -hmm. our ground. If, mm -hmm. if someone come, if someone comes, we should be here. Mm -hmm. And uh, come 1980s, and suddenly people began to stream to his congregations. His in particular, his, more than other leaders. No, yes, yes. That's mm -hmm. that's ten years before collapse of Soviet Union. Okay. It, ten yes. years before that, mm -hmm. it's the beginning of 80s. Mm -hmm. People began to stream to his congregations. And during next 15 years, he single-handedly called around 50 pastors from his three congregations. Incredible. So that was a new generation of pastors who filled the church by, by, by the middle of, of uh, end of 1990s. Yes. Incredible. Such so an encouraging it, story. It, mm. it is. It is. Mm. And that was through that his, his ministry there. And, and mm. Mm. So, Guntas, I'm sitting here with you in your office in the beautiful Barossa Valley. <laughs> You're telling me this incredible story about the journey to faith in Jesus Christ in Latvia, on the other side of the world. We could talk for hours more about, about the rest of the journey from there, but how does a young seminarian in Latvia end up as a pastor here in the Barossa Valley in Australia? Only by God's grace and providence, I would, I would say, mm. nothing to do with me, really, mm. really. Uh, in a way, it happened in in in, in two steps. Uh, so when I responded to invitation to study in seminary, uh, I I I tried to I tried to sincerely try to do my best studying. Mm -hmm. And and uh, I I enjoyed it as well. And and the Lord did many unusual things to enable me actually to, to devote a lot of time to, to, to studies. Okay. So towards the end of, of uh, seminary time, quite a few of my, my my professors said that you should consider continuing your studies mm. and maybe one day uh, joining faculty in in, mm -hmm. in seminary and and. Uh, I actually didn't need encouragement to continue studies. I just needed excuse to, <laughs> to continue studies. So they gave me they gave me this excuse, mm. and then I was looking for opportunity where to do this. Yeah. So in between, I served one year in in Latvia as a pastor, and and uh, and, and then I was enrolled in in St. Louis, in, yep. in seminary in St. Louis. Concordia. Concordia Saint Seminary, St. Louis. And uh, by that time, actually, situation in Latvia has changed quite a bit. And uh, there was no anymore this route available where I would end up teaching in seminary. Mm -hmm. So we basically went to America with the one goal, to go and learn and study and take in as much possible. Mm -hmm. So then, that was... And that the goal was, was to go back to Latvia. Oh, yes, and yes, yes. Take up a position doing... No, not position, yeah. probably just serving in, in congregation. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, yes. Um, that's how, that was our vision of future. Mm -hmm. We were planning to do it for two years and, and, and go back because we were funding it in, on, our, on our own. We, mm. we thought we couldn't afford to do it much longer. But once we got to St. Louis, oh, what a place it was. Mm -hmm. uh, it exceeded 
all our expectations, if we had any uh, regarding of how much we were able to take in, mm. how much were just open before us. And, and I, I enjoyed tremendously that time and all the study opportunities and, and everything in seminary. And, and because of that, we kind of stayed a bit longer mm -hmm. and then a bit longer mm -hmm. and then a bit more longer. And, and, and situation... Uh, so we basically found ourselves in a situation where, okay, we need to make up our mind now mm -hmm. what to do. Uh, to go back to Latvia at that moment was financially very hard. And we thought, okay, uh, that was our preference. We thought, okay, it would be good to, to stay in, in, in United States for a while and, and then we can go back. Uh, still remember discussing with my, 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 my advisor in, in my program, looking at different options. What could we do and which way we should try to go? And, and so we had this list of seven, eight different options. And at the very end of it was invitation from uh, our friends in Australia. Hmm. whom we met while I was studying, uh, they said, you should take a call in Australia. <laughs> and I remember that was at the very bottom of the list. <laughs> I thought, no, it's, it's too far. We already are far from Latvia to go somewhere else. Yeah. It's, oh, it doesn't sound good. Yeah. My wife, though, she, she kind of really liked that idea. She said, okay. no, it could be could be good good idea. But we were not in position to say, okay, we will do whatever we want. Yeah. The Lord has really put it us in a situation where he said, okay, I will lead where I want you to lead. Mm. So one morning we just wake up and woke up in Barossa. <laughs> <laughs> and so, and, and so, yes, but, but some process of communication oh, with yes. oh, people yes, in yes, Australia, yes. Oh, sure, sure. you end up with a call here. No, no, that's fine. Yes, yes, tell yes, all yes. story. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, well, Gunnar, we're, we're delighted that you um, woke up one day in the Barossa yes, Valley. Yes, uh, it's yes, a real joy yes. to have you uh, serving as yes. part of our church here in Australia. And um, it's such a joy and encouragement to hear your journey to faith and all of the twists and turns of that. And, um, and I'm sure so many people will be encouraged by hearing this story. So thanks for being here on Kairos and God bless you. God bless you, Josh. Thank you. <laughs>